to you learn something new every day on Community Roundup. I am Joan Boyko, Coordinator of Communications and Community Outreach for the Palm Springs Unified School District. We are here with you the second Sunday of each month to share something new and exciting about the district. Thank you, as always, to Alpha Media for allowing us the opportunity to be a part of the show. Our show is produced by my dedicated student interns here in the Digital Arts Technology Academy, also known as DATA at Cathedral City High School under the direction of Mr. Bryce Johnson. Our newish interns, I say newish because they actually started before the school year ended and are continuing throughout the summer to produce our shows. They are Danica Palmer, Raymond Ruiz, and Cynthia Alburez. And if you like what you hear, I will share information on how to hear more by subscribing to our podcast at the end of this segment. And today, I am very pleased to welcome our Palm Springs Unified Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services, Dr. Simone Kovach. Welcome. Hey, hello, Joan. How are you? Today? I'm good. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I know it's not your first time, but it's been a while. So welcome back. Thank you. Yes, it has been a little while. And for those who don't know you, how long have you been with Palm Springs Unified and in what capacities? Yes, I started here in the district in March 2009 as the principal of Delaninley Elementary School. And then in July 2017, I took over the role of director of elementary curriculum and instruction. And May 1st, 2021, I became the Assistant Super of Educational Services. Also, it's been a little over a year. Yes. And um, so, how's it been? It's I, been a, go, ahead. go ahead. It's been wonderful. It's been a learning experience. It's been exciting. It's a new adventure. And um, I am very proud to be the Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services and to lead this department. I followed Dr. Mike Sweezy, our amazing superintendent. So it's been a very rewarding year, even with some of the challenges. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's what I started to interrupt you about. And I'm no, you know me, I'm known to interrupt. So you just just talk over me and tell me to be quiet and it's fine. Because it's supposed to be about you, not me. Um, That doesn't stop me, though. Simone and I go back to 2013. 2009 you said 2009 yes wow I can't it's gone it's flown by it it really has wow um so you know I joke around with my with my colleagues so anyway um give us an overview and, and we are gonna gonna walk down memory lane a little bit about COVID even though I don't want to dwell on that but I think we we I think we have to because I think people really need to know how this team has um, really stepped up to the plate and made lemonade out of lemons. And then also what we're doing to um, work with our kids who didn't do so well during COVID. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but before we do that, give us an overview of the department, realizing it's only, you know, a 15 minute segment here. So I know you could, I know you could talk about the lay of the land for a long time, but just an overview, like, you know, what what's encompassed in Ed Services? Well, educational services is a large department yeah. with two divisions. We have a student learning division, and student support services. So there are two executive directors in our department, 
student services, student learning, and underneath that we have what you would generally think of as a curriculum and instruction division, as well as all of those other services under student support services that assist with attendance, um, mental health services for students, as well as special education. So it's a large department um, with the student learning and student support services branches underneath. And that even encompasses our um, early childhood education as well. And health. Yes. Which has become bigger in the past two years. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. It has really, that, that department has really developed. It has really developed with our great uh, leader there, Laura Dyson. So yes, thank goodness she's she's been here. I really, I mean, I think we're we're all grateful for everyone. She is at the top of the list for Definitely. sure. Definitely, I agree. She's got the right demeanor, and she, you know, was able to like talk many of us off the ledge several times because she. She has a good grasp of everything and she's a very, you know, even keeled person. I don't know, maybe she goes home and kicks the dog or beats her husband, but never, never. I don't think so. But she keeps what's best for all of our students and families and staff at the forefront and the decisions that she makes. She has utmost integrity. So, and you know, she she did throughout this push back several times when, you know, there were some people that thought that they knew what was best. And she came forward and said, well, you may think so. However, this is what I know. And this is what I've heard. And this is what, you know, my colleagues are saying, and maybe that's not the best thing. And, and a lot of times we went with it because that's, that's who we look to. We look to the health professionals to help us guide our direction. So, Okay, so our 2022-23 school year is kicking off at just about a month from now. Hard to believe, but true. So is there anything new or different that our families need to know about as we start the new school year from in your neck of the woods? No, increased services, I would say, um, our families need to know that we are actually expanding on our support for our early um, early literacy um, efforts at our school sites with additional support in the classroom for that. We are now moving forward with um, expanding transitional kindergarten. So that's going to be some adjustments with early childhood and at our school sites, there'll be some school sites that have two transitional kindergarten classrooms. We are going to increase services in mental health and in social emotional learning for our students. And um, we're excited about that. We will be increasing wellness centers and we will really be back on track for um, support with trainings for our teachers in the area, you know, in academics. And especially in secondary, we're moving forward with um, working with the Irvine Math Project, which we're really excited about that will help support our efforts in increasing our math um, data in secondary. Great. That was a lot, Joan. Well, well, it is a lot. And um, you, and you know, this happens, it flew out of my head. As you said it, I said, oh, I wanna ask a follow-up question about that. Now I'm not sure exactly which part of what you were talking about 
I wanted to follow up about. Um, I think it was, what was, the, what was the first thing you said? Do you remember? <laughs> Increase. <laughs> oh, I remember. I remember. You said increased and it came to me. The whole um, uh, universal preschool, right? Yes. And UPK. UPK. So you, that you talked about transitional kindergarten and that is that the same? So is it, isn't it going to be that the state lowers the age for um, transitional kindergarten like every yes. year for the next couple of years? Yes, they'll lower it um, for um, the age qualification two months for the next few years. So right now we are registering students whose birthday um, they would turn five anytime between September 2nd and February 2nd. And then okay. we'll move on to April and so forth as we go over the next few years. Okay, so, so that is that when we talk about universal preschool, this is the same thing, right? It's yes, yeah, but some people may, yeah, universal preschool, but it also it's when you get us to the point where it's universal transitional kindergarten. Okay, and so, you know, for people who don't know what that is, a transitional kindergarten has been in place for, I don't know how long now, 10 years, maybe? Uh, a little less? A little less, a little yeah. less. And so it's for kids who, who are really would benefit from essentially two years of kindergarten. Yes. Because they're a little young to be starting kindergarten. Like there's a big, those of you who are parents of um, young, really young kids know this already. For those of you who aren't, there is a huge difference between a child at the beginning of kindergarten and then when they're moving on to first grade. Yes. Big, like I probably bigger than most other transitional periods, would you say? Yes, and especially with their in social skills as well. You're right. So that is one reason for that and just giving them a little head start so is it so right and really i mean as a I, my, my kids are grown but as a parent i would have like you know jumped as high as i could if i had this opportunity because um it, there's so much that kindergarten is not like when you and i went to kindergarten no, school, where we you know it was a half a day now every all of our kindergartens are full day. It was a half a day. And I just, I can remember kindergarten really like it was yesterday. My long-term memories were great. Don't ask me what I had for breakfast this morning. Uh, so we took a nap and we played and we, we, we learned how to read and, <laughs> yes. we, and it was like run, spot, run. And that's, and we learned how to write our name. And that was essentially it. And now our kindergartens are reading, kindergartners are reading books by the time, and, and no math, by the time they get into first grade, and if they don't, they're behind. Yes, that's true. And also, um, one thing that we initiated this year was to ensure that all of our elementary schools, transitional kindergarten classrooms were full day as well. They weren't until this year. We had a few, five or six out there, but uh, this is our first year full day, or it was a full day transitional kindergarten. And so. it's not... The same way kindergarten is not, we don't have legislation yet that requires kindergarten, is that no. right? 
we don't. don't. So there's no legislation that requires kindergarten and there likely won't be legislation that requires transitional kindergarten or universal preschool, whatever you want to call it. And so there are parents who opt out, but I think, um, and I'm sure you would agree with me that that's, that's likely a mistake to, to well, opt out. Well, and I just think it's such a wonderful opportunity for students to be in the classrooms with their peers as early as possible. That socialization and, yes. and the learning that goes on. And don't think, I mean, I'm sure there are a few kids who it's too much for them and their, their parents know that best. But really, for most kids, it's not too much. They can handle it. And, they can. And I'm Children sure are they resilient. Have, exactly. I'm sure they have a rest period. I don't know if they have naps anymore. <laughs> I haven't been in, in kindergarten classroom since my kids were there. Long time well, then, ago. Joan, you have to visit. You I know. To get you I out do. There. Well, that's not true. I have visited, you know, for a short increment. I haven't been there for the whole yes. the whole schedule. And it's amazing. It's mm -hmm. truly amazing how these kids are just reading. I mean, I, I would say I would venture to guess that the current kindergartner is like the former second grader. <laughs> I just made that up, but uh, okay, maybe first. I mean, maybe. it's just, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible and impressive. And parents of kids who are that age or who were that age a couple years ago know this. And it, it's, a, it's really, it's really incredible. So, um, and you know, another thing, even with the integration of technology, it is amazing what our transitional and regular students can do with technology. And I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. All right. So we were talking about um, the, uh, the kindergartners and the transitional kindergartners and technology. And, you know, as, as everybody knows, you'd have to be, you know, someone without any kids and like not any grandkids to know, if you don't know that we spent the better part of uh, a year and a half in distance learning. And so kids were not on campus. We brought some of them back in a quote, hybrid program um, after spring break last year. Um, and that was, you know, a couple hours a day, a couple days a week. But those, most kids were in, um, in distance learning for like two years, right? I mean, a year, I know a full year, a full year and a full year, uh, and then some for most. Yes. So we, it started in March of 2020 and most kids did not come back until full time until, uh, August, 2021. Exactly. So, um, it, it to say it, it was challenging is like the understatement of the century because it was more than challenging. It was something that none of us had, you know, thought would ever happen. And thankfully, our district is pretty, you know, tech savvy, and you know, um, the majority of our kids already had devices because that that's been our goal is to get devices in the hands of all the kids that they yes. get to take home and keep and and we were well on our way still in all not every kid had them and not every kid was you know like um what's the word no, um not confident the next level proficient, proficient. 
yeah proficient. proficient in in the skills and the same really goes for our staff true true <laughs> no we have a large contingent of staff who are tech savvy and who embrace it and who use it every single day in their classrooms and then you know i remember you i don't know if you were here yet when we did uh a um technology survey i think it was before you came you know when you've been here 22 years and you lose track of when it was but it was scary Simone like really? uh, of the results because there were the majority of staff had very little technology skills the scarier part was that the majority of them had no interest in learning it well and when you say that and you just think about what we were able to accomplish yeah. in that area with distance learning it is amazing and our technology department, our educational technology department, I mean, they went over and above providing professional development and support and our tech depots. And our teachers knew, even though they may have been a little apprehensive, that they had to embrace it. And um, yeah, it's amazing how even myself, scheduling a Zoom meeting, <laughs> before the closure and then within a few weeks, okay, we're all diving in to do this. So it, um, we've all uh, have really evolved and built our, built our capacity in that area. Joe, and it just makes our organization so much better than it even ever was before. Exactly. And I don't think anybody would argue that this would be something that we would ever want to do again, uh, because I, I, and I, hopefully you can, can give us a snapshot of, you know, let's say the typical student and um, where they, how they've been affected by this, you know, year and a half of being isolated and also being in distance learning because it's different. It's, it's some of it's great. And the fact that you can, you know, engage with people from your office or in their case from their home but it's tiring too so give us a little snapshot of, of of how it's affected a lot of our kids and what are we doing to help them well i would say that first and foremost the social aspect and the socialization and just interacting with peers or with adults on campus um and I'm sure quite a few of our students, we know for a fact that quite a few were, were isolated during that time. They didn't have an opportunity necessarily to interact with their peers, even though they saw them in the little screens, you know, on Zoom, it's just not the same. And I know the efforts that our school sites, um, just their efforts when students returned in August, Joan, was starting with procedures, routines, but just the importance of social emotional learning. Quite a few school sites would begin their day with letting students interact with each other or checking in with them. How are things going? How is their transition back to the school site? And it wasn't just the first week. It it's still, to the, at this time of the year, if we're thinking back to how we ended the year in June of 2022, that just never, that just never ceased. We had to continue to find ways 
for students to interact and to collaborate with their peers and to feel comfortable to ask their teachers for support or help in academics. Um, we also really put our efforts into ensuring there was additional support for students, whether in elementary during the school day with filling gaps in reading or in math to secondary for ensuring that there were office hours for students or additional supports. And I am so excited that we'll be moving forward with our expanded learning opportunities plan because that's going to ensure that we have options for students moving forward through the next few years because it's going to take us some time to fill gaps. But then we also have a lot of students who have been able to catch up, but it's differentiation that's most important. And for us not to assume that a child should be at a certain level or mastered a certain concept and for us not to assume that they didn't during that time. So it's so important for us to know where our students are socially, emotionally, and in academics so that um, we can provide the appropriate supports for them. And one um, really initiative that we move forward with during the 21-22 school year was to begin our focus on a multi-tiered system of support, um, better known as NTSS. So we have just started scratching the surface with that. And that is that structure and system is going to ensure that we better support students in all of those areas. So I'm excited about that, that we're gonna continue those efforts into this coming school year. And we also- That was a, a lot, Joan, I'm that sorry, is you really me. a lot. <laughs> and the expanded learning opportunities, we probably should have talked about that at the beginning when you were talking about, um, you know, what parents can expect in the coming school mm -hmm. year. But as you said, that's gonna be an evolution and probably won't just hit all of a sudden Mm -hmm. when they get back to and, school. And it August. would truly affect our students in TK through eighth grade. It's a TK through sixth grant, but being that middle school is sixth through eighth, we're expanding that to eighth grade. So parents, um, I hope they'll be very pleased to know and find out about all of the wonderful options we'll have for students, whether it's around academics or enrichment, um, after school mostly, but even maybe some opportunities before school. So, and it's also... There will be, I'm sure kids are gonna be taught, tapped. The ones that we know really need this, um, their, their parents will be notified and said, you know, please take advantage of this, but it will be open to all students, right? Yes. So the yes. parents can step forward and say, hey, mm -hmm. I, I think my child would benefit from expanding, expanded learning opportunities. Yes. That's Definitely. great. And, you know, so getting back to, um, we, we kind of started with the little ones and how, like, I mean, think about it. These kids, the kids who are in second grade, they're in second grade now. The first time they came to school what, was in first grade. Some of them, yes. Some of them. Some of the, some, my point is some of the kids did not have kindergarten. And so, not so the traditional sense of kindergarten. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they weren't the first time they stepped foot on a campus was first grade and they never did it in kindergarten. And yet 
they were, you know, if you ask those kids to, you know, show them, show you what they can do on a computer, it's, it's mind boggling, you know, so there are some silver linings, like our kids are tech pros more than they've ever been. And, and not just playing video games, like they know how to use it the way, the way we in education want them to use it. So it, you know, and it wasn't, it was out of necessity. So talk about, talk a little bit about, we don't have that much time left, but some of the aha things like uh, staff and kids, like what, what amazed you that like, wow. And what, and what have we learned that we can move forward and use to our advantage? Well, that we can truly utilize technology for students to express themselves. I I just think of grading, like there's an additional opportunity for students to demonstrate mastery or to demonstrate what they know with that that tool. Also, I feel as though it really opened the eyes of some staff and teachers to realize, wow, maybe I was utilizing the Chromebook or technology too much in my classroom because now I just see that students just don't want to utilize a device anymore. So I have to think of different ways to engage students and allow them to demonstrate what they're learning in the classroom in another manner. So I think that technology piece was, wow, what a great tool. And, oh, I think I wanna not use that as much in the classroom to engage students because it was just technology overload for some of them. And it really goes back to knowing your students and giving them an opportunity to communicate to you how best they learn. Right. And I I feel as though that we are um, much better off now after the pandemic or transitioning away from that, from the closure to that, to really differentiation for our students. And I think, and I've talked about this with other guests on the show, um, we've learned that like for some things, like let's say assemblies, like with with an outside speaker who may be in China mm-hmm. or you know, maybe even just in Los Angeles, that it becomes really expensive and logistically challenging that you can actually like have them uh, do a, a you know a, a tech talk or or just a, an an interesting interactive assembly with one or more classes through Zoom and that's okay you know and it's actually better than okay because you can reach out to so many kids at one time. Well, and Joan, I would say even so, for some of the events we have and we want to provide access for our parents. That option when it's virtual or Zoom has just, I truly feel increased our participation from our community and parents. It really is. So they don't have to drive to the district office for a meeting. They can just get on their phone or a device at home. And I I feel that engagement and collaboration with the community is stronger. I agree wholeheartedly. So um, as we wrap up, I want to give you the opportunity to uh, give some kudos to the Ed Services team because Ooh, I love that. Um, <laughs> go ahead and uh, tell us just in a snapshot how they pivoted and did whatever was needed during this 
fiasco. <laughs> it, the fiasco. Well, it, we joked about having a thousand plans and maybe only two were utilized during that time, but it was okay because we kept reflecting on how we can make this better for students and staff and everyone came together, whether it was developing curriculum or holding meetings with teachers, training teachers, it, any ask wasn't too much. The department, everyone was able to get it done. It was never too much. It was wonderful. We all came together as a collegial family and made it happen. And I'm so proud to lead this department. And we're, we're grateful to have you because you, you have a heck of a team that starts at the top. So our superintendent is wonderful and you are wonderful. And thank you for everything that you do. And we will have you back very soon for an update during this coming school year. A new podcast is uploaded each week. Please subscribe by going to iTunes. Look for you learn something new. Press subscribe. Please tell all your friends to do the same. Thank you for listening. Thanks again, Simone, and we will see you next week.